Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 18, Someone's Not Seeing Me. This week we're discussing season 2, episode 3 of Doctor Who, School Reunion, and season 2, episode 5 of Buffy, Reptile Boy. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. So, we're starting out with uh, Doctor Who, School Reunion, and I just have to say, go Giles! Or or Finch, or what, like, this is going to be a confusing episode. Anthony Stewarthead yeah. is in both of these, and it's pretty awesome, because I did not expect that. And I think, so last week, like, immediately after we recorded our last episode, I started watching this episode of Doctor Who, and, like, within two seconds, I'm, like, texting Kat, oh my gosh, it's Giles, it's Giles! Um, I know, and I so. think I had said, I, didn't I tell you that he was going to turn up, but I didn't say when? I don't remember. I don't remember you telling me. Or maybe that. I didn't. Maybe I didn't. That, um, and it, I actually, I, I I was maybe gonna say like once we finish <laughs> recording, like oh, Giles is in the next episode, and then I just completely forgot. So I got yeah. this text. It was like oh yeah, I meant to say that. Well, and I remember you telling me a while back that there was um, a crossover with James Marsters who plays Spike. Um, and Torchwood, right? Although I couldn't, I couldn't remember that you had said Torchwood. I, but you know, Doctor Who universe, yeah, so, the um, universe, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I didn't remember that that Anthony Stewart had. So I guess it'll be fun to see if there are any other ones because there may be even ones if, that I if don't know about. If there's yeah. not right, right. There's, I mean, maybe none of the main characters that we have in Buffy now, but there will be new characters introduced that that perhaps end up in the Doctor Who universe or vice versa that, yeah. um, that we just don't recognize at this point. So that'd be, that's cool. So yes, yay for crossover. Um, and yay for Anthony Head because he's just a great actor. He is. He's um, awesome. And, and, um, really like, <laughs> it was kind of funny because, um, I think we were talking to a little bit about how similar in some ways the roles are, but also how very different, like yeah. the, the similarities being, um, both kind of very stuffy, snooty Englishman you professor, know, types. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, professorial, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, which apparently he's not anything like in real life anyway. But um, so that's like a whole other discussion. Um, I think you were saying that. But the, uh, you know, the difference being obviously here he's um, as Finch um, slash I can't. I couldn't even remember what his real brother Lassar or something yeah. like that. He has okay. some crillitane name. Right. Um, we'll just call him Finch. Yeah. Uh, you know, his, his, his role here is obviously a little more menacing, but also in a way, I mean, he's looking out for his own kind, you know what I mean? Like he's tr- trying to protect and bring along his own people. Yeah. Although, of course, it's at the expense of all these children or whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not exactly um, benevolent in the way that Giles is, but it, no. it is. Uh, it, it in his own way, it's his, it's his looking out for his creatures, and <clears throat> it really comes out in that whole scene with him and the Doctor, where he's tempting the Doctor. You yeah. Know, the, the, you know that he. What does he say? Like it, it's. It's 
is clearly a temptation for the doctor um, when Finch says the paradigm gives us power, but you could give us wisdom. Like totally playing up to the doctor, you know, sucking up, you know, giving him like you're wise and we're not wise. Like, yep. we know, we're not wise. So, you know, come be with us. And oh, by the way, you could save your entire race of people if you had this power yeah. and yeah. and all of this, you know, totally. <clears throat> um, yeah. Showing him the world and, and what he could have. Um, but obviously a lot of that is, is being manipulative because like in order to do that, the doctor would have to change who he is, right. He would have to become Krillotane or somehow take on aspects of the Krillotane. Like, I guess I'm not sure exactly how. Yeah. I'm not, that I don't know would. what that would entail <clears throat> but, really. But that seems to be the implication that if he did that, he would no longer be the doctor, but he would be aligned with them right certainly biologically them or working or for them or yeah mentally or something right so um yeah anyway interesting and of course the finch and the krillotanes we know by that point that they take on physical aspects of the people they conquer mm -hmm. so by doing that then clearly it seems they would be taking on whatever powers the doctor has Right. Including yeah. things like regeneration, I would assume. Sure, like, yeah. Um, you know, uh, which clearly seems like a benefit <laughs> to them, I would imagine. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but that's got to be part of the motivation for wanting to, you know, wanting to sort of convince or conquer him in particular. Yeah, 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 he doesn't, they, I mean... They're, they're not even really trying to conquer the humans. They're just using them right. as, like, slave labor. Like, right. you know, uh, there's, like, these distributed computing efforts that use, like, your empty cycles on your computer to do various, you know, mathematical tasks that, that can't be done otherwise. This is, like, the biological version of that. You know, Finch is using these kids and using their brain power to, you know, crack this paradigm code and, and try to figure it out. So yeah. Very, uh, very interesting little, um... Yeah, no, and I, and I, and I like what you said, <coughs> that, like, he isn't a totally, as much as, I think, um, Anthony Head's performance is just oily and, I, you know... It, yeah, I love that primal scream he gives, oh, too, when man, they're running out and K-9's, like, and, shooting yeah. everyone. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, no, he is he's really, here. really bad, but also still charismatic enough that you can kind of see why he could be convincing and and is kind of doing what he's doing i guess for his people but also has convinced it's like there's like this politician element too that he's convinced himself oh, yeah. that what yeah, yeah. he's his doing is for the benefit of you know it's good if we conquer everything and can rewrite the laws of the universe because we'll put someone like the doctor in charge and he'll right, use it for right. good and isn't that better and you know right. and you can see that he actually really believes this and he's pretty confident that he's going to convince the doctor um so still still a really nasty sort of bad guy but also also still um complicated and interesting and and not totally one-dimensional like he makes it very he fleshes yeah. it out i think he, he did a really good really good job 
He, he's no Slovene. No, no. Well, Slovene in the first time we see them. Sure, yeah. I, I suppose. I suppose I did come around to. Margaret right, Margaret had a bit more but, going on, but um, <clears throat> no, no. I think, I think he's a little bit more nuanced personally, and I just yeah. like the the. It's just camp enough without going over the top, you know. Like he just hits the right note of, you know, evil. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, and you're right, and and you do like the politician aspect of it. I think you're right because you see that um, when when we first meet Sarah Jane, um, or well, when I first met Sarah Jane, <laughs> um, you know, in in the, um, you know, he's sort of giving, you know, he's showing off his school and explaining yeah. what how good his administration has been and 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 that sort of thing and. Of course, we know that just immediately there he did something. We don't know exactly what he did to that poor orphan student, you know, yeah. sitting outside his office. But we know it wasn't good. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, no, there definitely is a a sort of political feeling to it, and and you know, you probably have had principals or or headmaster yeah. or whatever, you know, who were more concerned about their appearance to the outside rather than what was going on, hopefully not the teachers being the ones to participate in whatever evils are going on in school. But, you know, there's also a certain element of ignorance or, or whitewashing of, you know, intentional whitewashing, intentional, willful ignorance of, you know, things that may not be happening. Um, just the other day in the news, even I was hearing about, I think it was the superintendent of the Miami, Florida district, uh, school district and and how you know it, i guess it's had a pretty big turnaround but he's also at the same time facing a lot of criticism because of things like alleged hiding of you know test scores or problems or mm -hmm. that kind of thing so you know the you know the the progress that's being made isn't necessarily true real progress, yeah. or or it's or or it goes with other problems and now and i don't i mean i don't mean to cast aspersions i don't I don't know the truth of the story one way or the other. This is just, you know, the two minute excerpt I heard on the radio while I was driving home in the car. So yeah. like, I don't pretend to be an expert on that particular thing, but I mean, it, it does have real world sort of uh, resonances where you get these, you know, people who are doing or, or claiming at least to do and putting the best light on things when, you know, behind the scenes there may be more of a story. Um, though hopefully not quite as nefarious as, huge bat-like aliens, you know, eating people. Yeah. Um, well, we talked yeah. about, too, like, I mean, there is that, like, kind of lofty political element, but then also <laughs> um, this is another one of those what I call mundane monsters on Doctor Who, that they're, that this is saying to the, this is appealing to the child viewer and saying, mm -hmm. kids, your teachers are probably aliens and <laughs> and they sleep in the school and they do sleep in and the schools. and if you get yeah. sent to the headmaster he might eat you so just yeah. so you know Ooh. you know yeah. like there's that element that it it is taking you know what's familiar in every day and trying to make it you know scary right. and malevolent and like so maybe when the kids go to school the next day, if they all watch Doctor Who last night, they're kind of whispering to each other, you know, which which teachers do you think are the are the Krillotains <laughs> and everything, you know? 
Probably, yeah. 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 That's funny. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And of course, we get those explicit references from Rose. Um, oh, I, you know, I thought the the teachers always slept at the school when I was a kid, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I think that's right, right along there with it. Um, and, and so, I mean, oh, well, and I have to bring up in the whole Giles slash Finch crossover moment, the, the (laughs) explicit, it seems to me, Buffy uh, speak where (laughs) the, the, fellow Krillitanes are running away from, or flying away from K-9, and, and, and Finch just looks at him and goes, forget the shooty dog thing. I know, great line. <laughs> Such a great line. I was just, I was busting out laughing. I'm like, that, that's, that's Buffy. Forget the shooty Shoot. dog thing. Because it's so out of character. He's so articulate yeah. and well-spoken. So, yeah. It stands yeah. out like a sore thumb. That, that it does, line. and it. But it's also, in a way, perfect because it's out of character. Yeah, that's what makes shows, it so funny. Shows yeah. his, you know, complete exasperation at his underlings, you know, for their inability to overcome a a retro-looking dog yeah. that, you know. No, he has such contempt on his face when he says yes, that. Yes, yes. Um, yes. I really this just quick production note this episode was written by toby whithouse um who uh this is the first episode he's written uh it won't be the last um but i i always get a kick out of his episodes they're always very funny he's one of the funnier writers so yeah um, yeah there were some pretty good moments in this one yeah he uh created i don't know if you know that show being human which was a bbc show that i think they they made a BBC America did like a American version or something, um, which I I've haven't heard seen, of it. But I've, I've never seen. Yeah. I haven't either. But if anybody has seen Being Human, uh, he's the creator of that show. But um, he's, I think, one of the funnier writers. His episodes are always good for a laugh. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I guess sort of going into going from. Anthony, Finch, Giles, whatever you call him. He's got um, like four names. Yeah, I think, and I think he actually goes by Tony, but you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, just um, to complicate. Yeah. And he's got Stuart, um, so he's got, yeah, 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 yeah. we don't need any um, names. So we also need to talk, though, about Sarah Jane. Yeah. Because she is apparently, I learned this yeah. episode today, I learned um, that Sarah Jane is a former companion. She is. Um, and, and, and this isn't just like, like, this actress was a companion on the show in yeah. the classic coup, right? Like, yeah. No, let me, let me give you some, I've done a little research. So let me give you okay. some background. Um, Sarah Jane Smith played by Elizabeth Sladen was a classic companion. She was one of the longest running and far and away from, from, you know, my unofficial surveying of people's comments and articles was, <laughs> The random discussion boards. Random discussion boards and internet posts. I think pretty incontestably the most popular companion. Okay. Of the classic series, if not ever. Um oh. I mean, yeah. So she traveled with the third and the fourth doctors. So she okay. had crossover. And which is a connection there to Rose. Sure. Having, yeah, absolutely. having multiple Yep. 
Um, um, and or traveling with multiple doctors, having multiple doctors, I said. Yeah, um. yeah, and um, and so that was she. So she was on the show from 1973 to 1976. Um, okay. So she was probably not much older than Rose when she sure. had that role. Um, so she was, as you can tell, back then she was an investigative journalist um, and a feminist. That was like, it was she was really the first, uh, I, you know, watching that. BBC retrospective on the third and fourth doctor. They talked about her as the companion. And I think one of the reasons she's the most beloved is that she was one of the first ones when it became less the assistant and more the companion. She was the one to really be engaged. And I, and the first, maybe the first modern companion, like the first one to kind of do what they've done with New Who, which is have someone who was more the doctor's equal and had a real relationship and people loved Sarah Jane. And I I was going to say, I noticed that she used the word assistant. She did use the word. Yeah. Yeah. So there's still that hint of the old fashioned terminology and everything. And I, I was assuming that was like, and I would never pick that up except that I, that you pointed that out way back in our introductory. Yeah. No, it's kind of Um, like a mark of her datedness a little bit that she calls it assistant instead of companion but i think that's when it started to change and she kind of upped the game in terms of the kind of character development that the companion could have um so uh so i'll summarize i don't need to read all of this but she left in um an episode called the hand of fear in 1976 um and the gist of the ending is that like they say in this episode the doctor is summoned back to his home planet um, mm-hmm. and tells her that she can't come. Uh, no humans allowed. He's got to go. Um, apparently she's been talking about wanting to leave for a little bit and she's packed, but there's a sense in the episode that neither of them really want her to go. Um, but neither of them is to the point where they come out and say, "Right, don't go. Um, right. So it's kind of a, bittersweet ending um from what it sounds like and from the other research i did it sounds like there weren't a lot of huge big dramatic goodbyes in the classic show and there was this sense that the doctor never really did want to say goodbye that it would he would kind of unceremoniously kick sarah jane out rather than really Mm. say a a proper goodbye um and use whatever his excuse about humans not being allowed um but she leaves. Um, she tells the doctor not to forget her. Um, and the TARDIS leaves and she realizes that she's, it ends, the episode ends with her realizing she's not in Croydon, which is in London. Now in this episode, 30 years later, we find out it was Aberdeen, which is in Scotland. So yeah. it's not even a little not bit, like the yeah. other side of the Island. So, and that was the last, um, that was really the last, that we saw of her character. Now, she did have a part in one of the anniversary specials. Okay. So I'm not too clear on what her role was in that, or I don't even know that that really furthered the character so much. It may have been more of like a cameo or less connected to the overall story. Um, But she also was the star of, um, they they tried to make another spinoff in 1981 called canine and company and she was in that and that was a pilot that didn't get picked up so it didn't go anywhere 
Gotcha. Um, so the little, the, that little cam or that pilot episode and the anniversary episode aside, um, this is the first that she's been back in almost 30 years and okay. it's the same actress and yeah, which I think is kind of amazing when you think about it. Um, and listening to her and uh, some of the others talk, you can see kind of how life and art sort of intersect. Um, for her, it must be very easy to play Sarah Jane because this is something she did when she was in her 20s that was a big part of her life that then mm. left and went away. And now here she is, you know, 30 years later, yeah. playing the same part in the same world, but with somebody else playing the doctor and that's got to yeah, feel completely new cast, that's got to yeah. be kind of the same but kind of different and kind of bittersweet in all those ways yeah. and then um on the other side you've got david tennant who remembers being six years old eating toast and watching sarah jane on tv from his living mm. room and loving her so all of a sudden he said his first read through was for this episode so his first ever experience of reading the doctor in front of other people was with Sarah, was with Elizabeth Sladen calling him doctor and feeling like he just walked That's into crazy. his, it like you yeah. like walk into your childhood play fantasy, you know? Right. So right. I think a lot of the power of the episode is the two of them being able to really tap into what, you know, like she has these associations with the doctor and that character and he has all these associations with her and her performance mm -hmm. and so i don't know i think i think that's just a really special thing that they were able to bring her back and to yeah. really like give the character a story like not just as a cameo but really give her a story really give her closure um yeah, and what no, and just what other show could you do that with? That's the, one of the magical things about yeah, the no, show. You're right, <clears throat> and and there's very much a uh, meta aspect to it, like yeah. you, were, you were describing with the fact that it's not just the companion and the doctor who split apart, but you know Sarah who split from the show, and the show itself has been you know on and off going on. Those yeah, times, but it's been going you know. on without her. Yeah, like right. No, but I'm saying like right the. But even the show, like it's like the doctor has at times disappeared and we don't know what happened. Right, and, exactly. You know, come back and, and whatever. So like yeah, no, it's 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 a very interesting um <clears throat> and very heartfelt. I mean, obviously there's you know, she does a great job here and, and I can see sort of extrapolating thirty years back, you know, why why people might have liked her at the time. Yeah. Um so yeah, definitely very very interesting. So that um, was that was my kind of background on uh, Sarah Jane Spiel. Um, oh, I should mention because I'm afraid I I I won't remember. Um, at uh, while we're on behind the scenes stuff, and then we can get back more into the episode. Um, after this is over, uh, the next year in 2007, the BBC asked Russell Davies to make a a children's show for like younger children, like more strictly a children's show rather than like a family show. Um, and so he called up Liz Sladen and created this show called the Sarah Jane adventures. And it was like Torchwood, another spinoff. 
Um, but Sarah Jane was the character, and it would be her investigating aliens more on her own home turf. Um, mm. And so that ran for a long time, from 2007 to 2011. Um, okay. It was actually canceled um, when she um, became sick with cancer, and she actually pa oh. she passed away in 2011. Oh, um, wow. Okay. So, a bummer. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, a huge bummer, because she's obviously very young. Um, you know, she's certainly not, you know, she died of her illness, not of anything like old age, so. Right. Um, anyway, uh, I just didn't, so, didn't want to forget to mention that Sarah Jane got an, another spinoff, you know, after all this time. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, but never, never again with the Doctor, huh? Or maybe you don't want to say. Uh, I will not confirm or deny that. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, so talking about the character in this episode. Um, so, you, yeah, I mean, you mentioned she's an investigative journalist, so clearly she went back to doing that Yeah. when she left the doctor. And I guess maybe she always was, even while she was a companion, but... Um, I think it had or, something to do with when the when the doctor was working um like for unit like in that period where he was on earth and work in like exiled to earth and working with like unit investigating aliens in London rather than in the TARDIS she kind of came in in that period as like this journalist but then gotcha. when maybe they got a bump in their budget and he could start traveling again she went with him so uh. she got to do the the TARDIS traveling too yeah, well, and I was going to talk about the, uh, the, the sort of, um, you know, examination or, or, or comparison of uh, companion events between her and Rose. Yeah. <laughs> when All they're the kind of going back seen, and forth. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, and I didn't, I didn't write down the whole list there because they go through quite a few of them. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I, I love that, you know, when they when, – when they come to the end and she says Loch Ness Monster and Rose is like wait really? <laughs> yeah. like, actually that's kind of cool that's I awesome see yeah. that too <laughs> um, and, then, and then and then of course and it's I, what are we fighting about how lucky yeah. are we to have you know that this is about what we have in common not how we're different yeah yeah um, no but you get the whole well and it's the same sort of contention um that, that you see building in a way between the doctor and Jack when they're mm -hmm. both kind of vying for Rose's affection. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, kind of obviously reversed here because now it's Rose, but, um, and, and Sarah Jane, but it's, it's, it's a very similar sort of thing, I think going on. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, yeah, but there's, there's a, growing moment right so you get the comparison of experiences and you, you sort of get the initial caddy discussion oh you know i don't mean to be rude but who are you you know rose yeah. saying to her and sarah jane's like well i used to travel with the doctor oh well he's never mentioned you you know like yeah very and, and mickey ever <laughs> ever ever uh, tactful, uh, tactful. <laughs> yeah. yes thank you the the oh it's the misses and the X, like that's, the, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that to us. Um, Thank you, Captain Obvious. Yeah. But, but no, you do get, um, 
like you said, the, the sense of closure with Sarah Jane in her own, um, when she realizes that the doctor is actively, like seriously thinking about taking, well, and I mean, or at least as all outward appearances would have us believe yeah. <laughs> that the doctor is actively thinking of taking Finch's offer. Um, she's the one who steps in and says, no, the universe must move forward. Um, Pain and loss, they define us as much as happiness or love, whether it's a world or a relationship, everything has its time and everything ends. And and you know that she's saying this as much to herself as to him. Yeah. Like it's it's like I and maybe that goes without saying, but I just said it. So, um, yeah, but it, this is, of course, repetition of what we've talked about before. We're at the end of the world. And then again, just two episodes ago, <laughs> you know, yeah. with, yeah. with, uh, new earth and, and, you know, talking about it's time to move on, but now it's personal, right? It's not like someone else's time to move on. Now it's everyone has to move on. Mm-hmm. The doctor included, he has to move on. He can't continue thinking about what he did wrong yeah. or what he might have done wrong. Maybe he didn't do anything wrong. Maybe he did exactly what he needed to do regardless. Like that's not even the point of it. Yeah. It's, it's now you have to move on. And then, of course, she's saying it to herself. Like, you know, she's realizing. And if, and we get, you know, immediately afterwards when they're standing outside the TARDIS. Um, you know, well, we find out there hasn't been anyone else. Yeah. Any sort of meaningful relationship is sort of the implication there. Um, You're right. At least certainly, certainly the doctor, not the The doctor is a tough act to follow. <clears throat> Yeah, certainly not the kind that she had with him. So, I mean, it's like, but by that point, she's come to that realization that it needs to happen. And, and she, for, I love that she forces him to say goodbye. Yeah. Um, no, um, and that is, like, like I was saying from what everyone was saying about that, the classic show and everything, that, that there's that he does not want to say goodbye because... I think for many reasons. So whatever sure. the reasons are, you know, it like he has this physical reason. She says like goodbye. He's like ah, it's not goodbye. Like it's it's freaking goodbye. Would you just yeah. say it? Like well, and he even offers for her to come along. Again. Yeah. Um. So like yeah, but she's clearly been putting her life on hold for thirty years because she didn't get a good goodbye. So this yeah. time, darn it, she's gonna do it and. It's, yeah, like you said, it's time for both of them to move past that point. Right, right. Um, and he does and that, say goodbye. And that she loses, she loses the bitterness which she had. And, and right. by the end of the episode, what what starts out as so much, um, like, anger at the Doctor for, you know, you showed me all this stuff and then dropped me back and I'm supposed to live my life like yeah like yeah. that didn't happen and everything has been a disappointment since and there's an element of that of truth in that but that's obviously even if it's true it's no way to live your life so right. by the end of the episode she's yeah except from what you said like in teaching the doctor that she has to look at her own life and say even if it's true that that may have been the highlight of my life better to remember that for the amazing experience that it was, but then put that it's over now and 
you can easily waste the rest of your life pining after that, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and we talked about the um, poem in memoriam last week and, and, yeah. and you, you mentioned, I think the, right, the right, quintessential yeah. verse, the, the, the better to have loved and lost. Um, the, and, and in this case, it's, yeah, the better to have traveled to companion, to mm-hmm. have companioned, I yeah. guess would be the, um, the verb there if companioning can be a verb. Yeah. Um, and, and she gets that realization. Yeah, I think you're right. And I also think that she grows in another way too. So it's, it's that personal, you know, her, her ability to apply that to herself and also to sort of, you know, help the doctor to see things that the same exact lesson that he's taught to other people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she also, she kind of goes beyond that. And she recognizes that Rose is going to need that support, too. Yeah. And I, and I love that she's able to sort of, I mean, you know, and, and Rose does kind of drop with Sarah Jane, the cattiness and whatever, you know, and they both kind of have their moment. <laughs> I love when they're, they're giggling at the doctor. And yeah. he's like, what? what? Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> and they just think he's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, even beyond that, she she sets herself up to be a mentor to Rose when mm-hmm. the inevitable comes. Yeah. She knows that obviously Rose will have to be at some point, she will no longer be able to be the companion. And so she, re- she reaches out preemptively and says, if you ever need me, you know, look me up. And then, and even when Rose is like, well, you know, should I go with him? Maybe, you know, she's apparently thinking that maybe she should just leave now. Like, Quit while you're ahead. Sooner, yeah. yeah, sooner rather than later. And and Sarah Jane's like, no, no, you have to go. Some yeah. things are worth getting your heart broken for. Um, so yeah. Sorry, great line. Yeah, um, yeah. And just, yeah, the experience is worth it no matter what ending might. And, and it's not even, it's not like even if you have to, like, give it up. Because you have to. Like, it's, it's even That's when. the whole point. Yeah, it's, well, it's even if Even if your end means you die. Like, even if, right. say you stayed with the doctor till your old age, you know, like, you have yeah. to. Like, oh, it doesn't yeah. matter, you know, when that, and that's kind of the idea, I think, you know, and I think companions leave for different reasons. Like, they don't always leave this way. But that, to me, is kind of the idea behind the doctor kicking them out without a lot of fanfare is he knows that Mm-hmm. They have to leave. And that's almost like he's doing what Rose is contemplating doing, which is quit while you're ahead. Yeah. Get rid of them yeah. before you have to see, because he has his whole thing about he doesn't age, he just changes. Right. That's and, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, and, I regenerate, but humans decay. Yep. You wither and, and die. And get rid of them before he has to witness that, really, is seems yeah. to be the tactic. Well, and, and I was totally thinking there of, Tolkien, right? You're yeah. thinking of Ar- Arwen and, and Aragorn and, and yep. the various and sundry other examples of that. Yeah, um, the, the immortal and mortal pairing yeah. is always a painful thing. Yeah. More um, so for the immortal in a way, you know? Yeah, I mean, obviously painful for both of them, but you're right. I mean, that's the escape of death, right? Is, is that you can escape <laughs> having to deal with those feelings eventually. Um, yeah. But the immortal can't. And, oh, that comes up in Buffy, too, later. But we won't talk about that yet. <laughs> um, so, 
Yeah. The the but what I was saying was specifically yeah just about Rose the the sort of mentorship and I think I think that's that's the real character growth because I feel like the other yeah. stuff is catch up <laughs> you know like uh-huh. catching up not catch up the condiment but catching up to where she should have been you oh, know yeah, year, yeah. years ago like and I'm not saying that like the second she was left behind she should have said oh okay brushed her hands off and said now i need to get over the doctor like no no need, but she's needs to be she's clearly there, she's stagnated yeah, yeah she's, there's some yeah. somewhere between 30 seconds and 30 years would have been like the sweet spot of yeah. you know getting over getting the over doctor it. Yep. and 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 figuring out that you need to move on but, yeah um but the the you know so again like i feel like up until that point um again she's just sort of catching up with where she should have been but then to take that extra step and to reach out preemptively to Rose and saying, you know, you you may need to talk to someone someday and, you know, you can feel free to reach out to me. Yeah. Um, have there been any other companions that have spanned more than one doctor? Uh, yes. There have? Okay. Yes. Um, I, I think so, yeah. So they're not, it's not like Rose That's and Sarah Jane are unprecedented, unique. That's not unprecedented, I don't think. No. Okay. Um, no, I think there's been a couple others. Okay. Um, and I, yeah, I didn't know either way, but I was just curious if that was like, <laughs> if there's like a companions club or something. Right, right. <laughs> um, anyway. That no, but I think, I think, is. I don't know that they're always like that. So I think there is, that does kind of give them an extra level of status probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, interesting. So, anyway, oh, oh, and uh, and we can't move on from her without making the mention of what the doctor says when he says goodbye. He says goodbye, my Sarah Jane. Yeah. Which is, you've told me the phrase "my doctor" is, yeah. is sort of magical, almost in in the universe here. So, um, him yeah. returning that is is clearly uh, right. Uh, uh, an important line. Yeah, that she's um, she's special <clears throat> to him. Yeah. Oh, so where do we go from here? I don't know. I feel we have like, like we... three minutes left in which to talk about everything else. I know. <laughs> um, well, we've kind of talked about Rose a little bit already. Um, I I guess it's just sort of the flip side, right? Is her recognizing what's really in store. Like it's, we're beyond the honeymoon phase, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Of the, of, of the relationship here. Like um, we get that. Right. We get that uh, uh, moment where she's like, now I'm really seeing into the future. And she's kind of saying it snarky. Yeah. Um, you know, now I'm really seeing the future. You just leave us behind. Is this what you're going to do to me? And the doctor's like, no, not to you. But, of course, he's promised other people things, like Linda with a Y, uh-huh. um, that, you know, we can't necessarily believe his his promises. Um and and the recognition that the doctor and Sarah Jane were once as close as the doctor and Rose are now, mm-hmm. um, and you never even mention her, is is the yeah. So what starts question. out as like the catty jealousy turns into as soon as Rose starts to identify with her, then it becomes well. Wait a minute, if he can do that to her, why mm-hmm. couldn't he do that to me? Right. Yeah, and right. I think I think you know his. He's very quick to say, 
not to you. And no, no, not and, to you. And, yeah, you're and, you're the one I'm with, and I'll always yeah, be with and the, you. Yeah, and the response yeah. is why? What what makes? And I think this is a legitimate question. I don't. I think you know. I'm not leading to one answer or the other, but why? Why not her? What is there anything that makes Rose different than the others, or is that not? Is she? You know, I think that's a fair question. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a very fair question. I, I, and I don't know. I mean, obviously, Rose is the only companion I've seen. I've seen more doctors than I've seen companions. (laughs) Well, well, I suppose not now because we've seen Sarah Jane, but I didn't see her as a companion. I saw her now in in her present form, where she's not a companion anymore. Um, And even Mickey, who appear apparently is about to become a companion <laughs> i know um, and how much do you love rose's reaction when oh, he, yes. when he comes <laughs> that's i think that's the reaction i would have because i mean you well you know me and mickey were tight uh, yeah um, yep well and yeah. i like the doctor too all right i could do with a laugh <laughs> he knows it's gonna be <laughs> hilarious whatever happens yeah. yeah yeah well and that's that's the doctor through and through right it's yeah just teasing you know mickey, yeah. well, well not just teasing mickey but all right, let's do it and see what happens. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, it's the role with a Well, flower. and he offered him a spot a season ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you know? oh, so, absolutely. Yeah, no, he's like, I mean, there was a point when clearly Mickey's not allowed, but we've got past and, that point. And, and he, but he offered the spot for Rose. He offered Mickey a spot right. for Rose before. Right, right. Whereas um, this time he's almost going against Rose by letting yeah. him come. Yeah, I mean... A little bit. He's, or at least at the very best, he's completely ignoring Rose's yeah. reaction. At the worst, he's kind of noticing Rose's reaction and laughing on the inside yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, and but of course, Mickey's attitude has changed. Yeah. Uh, clearly, I mean, he's he's, he's, he's very excited. The tin dog. <laughs> he's the tin dog. But but it seems like, and I hate to make this comparison because I like Xander. He, he he has the sort of realization that we've already seen in Xander um, to, you know, add more Buffy crossover here. Yeah. Uh, in that it almost seems like he becomes comfortable with his role as the tin dog, right. you know, so to speak. Like this, like he's like, you know what, actually this, if that's my role, then that's my role. And I think it, dang it, to Mickey's credit, I hate those words, <laughs> but to, to Mickey's credit, he is... Um, going for his own reasons he's not going for rose yeah which i think was i mean i've been saying it from the beginning yeah that that's his problem he needs to let go yeah and now he's going with them but he in a way he kind of has let go it's like he's already recognizing going is even going against her what she wants and her feelings and desire it's not it's not his endless thing of trying to win her and please her and be with her it's like contradictory or paradoxically going with that it's going against that to go with them so yeah i'm i'm with you no absolutely and and i think that that's um you see that sort of revelation happening to him he's like oh actually i i do want to see like all that stuff like like it's it's no longer like i just want to keep my claws into my girlfriend. I mm-hmm. it's it's I want to experience all the cool stuff that you guys keep talking about. Um so I refuse and just to like tired, him still, and just tired but, I think of being treated like the tin dog. That 
get sit in the car and crack the window, hold the coats. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you know. Like I think there's probably an aspect of that. Yeah, like if and, I'm going to be part of the team, then I'm going to be more than just the guy who holds the coats. And of course, the last time we saw him, well, not the last time. Did we see we saw him in Christmas Invasion. We saw him right? in Christmas, yeah. And we saw him before that. When was oh that was way back in Boomtown when he when he was left. How why does he keep coming back? I can't figure this out. Because at the end of Boomtown was when yeah. Right wasn't wasn't it then when he was like like Yeah. He just like watched Rose come running back and like he walked away without saying anything. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <sighs> all right, all right. Anyway, but he keeps coming. He's like no. know, bad case of cockroaches. But <laughs> Um, well, he's Mickey, coming Mickey for the a idiot. trip next, so... Mickey the Idiot is in the TARDIS now, and we'll see how he fouls things up. Yep. Um, <laughs> anyway. All right, so what else? Because I feel like we hopped all around there sort of at the end. We um, kind of did. I'm glad, I'm glad we did talk about Mickey, though. I think I think we needed to. We didn't talk about the Doctor, really. Although, I mean, we talked about him in reference to sort of everyone else. Yeah, but. um... <clears throat> well, do you have anything? I'm looking through my notes here. I, I was just going to say I love I love um, the the explanation that Finch gives of his understanding of who the Time Lords are, uh-huh. the ancient dusty senators, the frightened of change and chaos. Yeah. Um, which you don't take the Doctor to be someone who's a frightened of chaos, particularly. Yeah. Um, and obviously the whole regeneration thing. Well, um, frightened of change. Frightened like of change. That's, yeah. Yeah, like that doesn't make sense. But on the same token. He's kind of right, Finch is, yeah. in saying that um, a lot of what the Doctor tries to do is to preserve things as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, or at least to prevent them from changing too quickly, I think is would be more accurate. Then, rather than resisting change, it's more about an appropriate rate of change. Yeah. Um, change and not, before it's time or in the wrong yeah, not the letting the and, yeah. right, right, right. Not letting the human race get too far ahead of itself, so to speak, or for anyone to come in and pull it too yeah. far ahead of itself, or whatever, um, or yeah, well, or keep think, it or keep it behind, or enslave it, right, or you know, prevent it from moving forward. I think that's part of that that his relationship, like that kind of sliding scale of compared to the Time Lords, who's had those rules about only observe, never change, all those things. Compared to them, he is radical. But compared to maybe other life be- life forms, he's much more like the Time Lord. So it's sort of like, yeah. you know, who are it's you? It's a matter of perspective. Who's he being compared to, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love the line about, uh, I'm so old now. I used to have yeah. so much mercy you get one oh, yeah. warning. That was it, and and that such an echo of um, no second chances. You know, yep. this is your warning, and if if I don't like it, it'll stop. That's what he says. So that like, that is that confidence again, and he's very secure in his own moral sense of right and wrong, and and I'm gonna give you your chance, but you better not. You better take it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a good line. Um, sort of. I guess the one last thing I want to say about the doctor also comes from Fitch, <laughs> um, where we get because the that's preview. such a great scene. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we get the preview um, 
he says so many good do- goodbyes. How lonely you must be, Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, the other quick thing I wanted to bring up was I mentioned this once before, but the, the Peter Pan stuff. And I feel like okay. the Doctor and Sarah in this are very, very Peter and Wendy. That that part at the end of Peter Pan when he comes back and Wendy's grown up and she's yeah. got... I don't even think it is it. It might even be her granddaughter in the bed. It's not even necessarily her daughter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's right. And yeah. and so those lines of, so not only has he not changed, but he's re- regenerated to look even younger than he was before. So he looks oh, okay. younger than the doctors she used to travel with. So it's almost uh-huh. like she's getting older and he's getting younger. And so those lines about, you look incredible. So do you. And she is very you know uncomfortable to say i got old you know that's that you know aren't you gonna fly away with me wendy and i'm i i've forgotten how to fly i'm so much older than 20 so much very older yep and um all that stuff so again there is i feel like that's a really strong literary sort of grandfather to this story is this idea of someone ageless who has these often young female companions um yeah who he comes back and for them so, and when he comes back they've moved on and they're older and he's the yeah. same as he ever was um so i think that's a big part of it sorry i just completely thought of a totally inappropriate line from dazed and confused oh no love high school girls because i keep getting older and they just stay the same <laughs> Well, and um, there is that, there are kind of the aging yeah. jokes in this too about, you can tell you're getting older, your assistants are getting younger. And, yeah. um, and when, what she says to K9 at the end, you, he replaced you with a younger model. He does that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. there is the kind of, there are those, those jokes about the aging old man who surrounds himself with younger and younger women. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go, go doctor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, probably need to move on yeah. to talk about high school girls um, and reptile yeah. boys. Speaking of high school girls. <laughs> exactly. And, and older guys. Yeah. Um, so, go ahead. Take it away. Okay. So, um, also speaking of growing up. Um, <laughs> yeah, and exactly. people, yeah, you having know, to deal with what that means. And actually, before you start, I want to point, I want to point this out because we were, we were worried that when we got into the second season, so we're, we're, we're off sync, yeah, yeah, that we were gonna have, that we were gonna be struggling finding parallels. Yeah, no, here no. we are. We're we're still doing pretty good, I think. So yeah, I mean, anyway. not only do we have Giles crossing over between right, the shows, literally. but like, yeah, thematically too. Um, yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah. so, I mean, now, of course, it's different. Um, so, you know, uh, Buffy's, Buffy's isn't so much about, like, I feel like the Doctor Who episode, to keep going with the Peter Pan, is more about growing up in the sense of maturing from child into adult and, and moving through phases of your life and, and having a certain time of your life that you have to come to grips with the fact that it's over and you know what that all means whereas the Buffy I think the growing up and the maturity is more to do with again I mean going with Buffy and the kind of 
time of life that it's exploring. It's more about, you know, what to get kind of, you know, I don't want to get like prudish about it, but it's more about like, what is the appropriate lifestyle for your age group? It's like, there's this yeah. whole thing of maturity doesn't mean adult maturity or emotional. It means, am I, am I over 21? Am I legally allowed to do certain things? Or am I, you know, how dangerous is it for me to date an older guy? Or, you know, mm -hmm. it's more about like appropriate behavior and, in that, and also in that in time that... when then that late teenage, when kid and adult becomes very indistinguishable when you're not yeah. really one or the other. Um, well, and, and it's also about the proportion at that, right? Cause there, I mean, uh, Oh, I forget how old Tom says he is in this episode, but we know Buffy's a junior, Yeah, which I think was actually a question that we never yeah, I put that in my notes to, that we officially know <clears throat> that she was a sophomore last year and now she's a junior. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I remember saying, I thought that that was the case, but I, I couldn't remember if, if we ever got an answer to that. Yeah. Um, and then Tom is a senior in college? Yes. So, so we're talking five years. 20 or 21, yeah. Yeah, we're talking five years apart, but it's yeah. a critical five years from Huge. 20, 20, you know, 20 to 21 to 16. No, and, and like exactly. <laughs> like five years when you're 35 and 40 it makes no difference. Five years when you're. Or even when you're 20 and 25. Yeah, yeah. No, like absolutely. even just going the other way would would not be as horrible as this. Yeah, no, but exactly, it's. I think between that adolescent that adolescent time period, each year is so formative that it really does make a huge difference. And I just thought it's an interesting kind of irony, um, which this episode kind of explores. Which is, so many people try to act what they call mature or older than their years by doing stupid and idiotic things like mm -hmm. like dangerous behavior like you know going to these parties with you know older guys that you don't know or binge drinking or you know whatever like this kind yeah. of that it maturity your your maturity is proven by your immaturity in a way that like you know, if you're 16 and you want to act mature, you go and act like a moron with the with the college kids. Um, but then you've also got Buffy, who says, I'm tired of being mature. So she's older than her years. So she's yeah. mature yeah. in a way that is almost, she shouldn't be. So she almost yeah. has the opposite problem. And she's yeah. trying to shirk her maturity and responsibility by doing something that, again, is beyond her years by drinking with, you know, by acting older is her way of getting rid of the feeling that she is older in a way. It's this really complicated, like, you mm. know, it's like by acting like I'm 21 and in college, that's me saying, that's how she says I'm, I'm getting I, rid of I, my maturity. Yeah, I'm tired of being It's mature, like, yeah. it's just a circular, confused... You know, I think it's like a really nice, it really captures that, the kind of college culture, you know, which exists, you know, which is like, it is that really confused thing of, you know, when you're 
like 18, 19, 20 years old, you want to be treated like an adult, but you also want to act in this like wild lifestyle, which is particular to that age, you know? Yeah. So it, I, I really like how that gets all muddled. Like you're not quite sure anymore what maturity really is and what is a signifier of it and how you act mature. Like you kind of lose sight of what that even means. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. And I think that's the struggle that Buffy is having, right? She, she's already being forced to act mature in ways, um, you know, that 16 year old shouldn't have to. I mean, that's, that's from episode one. Yeah. You know, we've been, we've been hearing about this, but even sort of her, her struggle itself has matured in a way. Yeah. (laughs) Like, um, just to the point of like, she's mostly accepted the fact that she's a slayer, but she still needs an outlet, right? She still needs that time. And that's, um, that sort of the thing is, is the feeling that like everyone expects her to act mature, but nobody treats her like she is mature. Right. And you, you know what I mean? Like, like Giles is putting all these, uh, scheduling sorts of things on her. Oh, you know, you need to, come do hand-to-hand combat at whatever. And you also need to get your homework done and you need to do this and you need to do that. And it's like, you know, by putting all this stuff on her and, and giving her all this responsibility, but not giving her sort of the freedom to accept the responsibility in the way that she can, Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you're, you're both, you're stretching her in sort of two different ways. You're, you know, you're, you're keeping her, as a child because you're, you know, sort of forcing her and scheduling her and doing all this stuff, but then expecting her to be, um, this, you know, super responsible more than anyone else her age sort of person. And, and I love that sort of outburst, um, that she has when, when she's, you know, Charles is like, what, do you think I don't know what it was like to be 16? And she's like, no, I don't think what you you knew what it's like to be 16 and a girl and the slayer. Like she, that's absolutely right. Like she's nailed, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. She totally nailed it. Yeah. Who, who else can know? Because quite frankly, anyone who else was 16 and a girl and a slayer is not around anymore. Yeah. Like, like literally there is nobody else who knows what she's gone through and, and that's even like that's not even getting into sort of the existential nobody knows what anyone else has ever gone through because everyone's experience is at least slightly different yeah but um like not even getting into that they're just yeah. there's nobody for her to get into this um and 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 experience it and to sort of mentor her there's lots of people who have ideas about how she should be doing things but not anyone who has actually experienced it yeah yeah, um, and I think Giles, like, it's inappropriate to even try to talk to her like you know what she's going through. You know, like, it's <clears throat> she's so blatantly unique, you know. It's like yeah. Giles needs that slap on the wrist to say, oh, yeah. you know, you really, you know, not that that, mean, I, not that that means that he doesn't have a duty as the watcher to support, you know, but like... Yeah, to even say, I know what it's like to be 16, you don't know. I mean, I think even just 16 and a girl is different than six. Like, that's difference enough, you know. Than 16 and a guy? Than 16 oh, yeah. and I'm a sure guy. I'm sure it is. I but then no you add that. the slayer on top of it. And <laughs> right, right, right. It's right. like, to, to even suggest that 
he knows what she's feeling is silly, you know? So, you know, I think that's right. kind of a deserved comeback a little bit. Right, right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're not, right. At that point, you're not even talking about, like, shared human experience. Yeah. Because her experience is not, I mean, she's human, yes, but she's the Slayer. She's superhuman. She's something different. Um, at least as far as that level of responsibility goes. And, and well, and of course we get the much larger echo of that from Willow <laughs> when she blows up yeah. and Kyle's an angel. Um, I, I just love that whole... Go Willow, yeah. Willow yeah. going out. <laughs> and then the, you know, so, I mean, you know, she yells at Angel. Why do you think she went to the party? Because you gave her the brush off. And then Giles, you never let her do anything except work and patrol. And, you know, if she's going, she's 16 going on 40. And then back to Angel, <laughs> you're going to live yeah. forever. You don't have time for a cup of coffee. Um, uh, and then, of course, she's like, okay, I don't feel better now. Yeah. We've got to go help Buffy. Like, I've said what I need to say. I still feel miserable. And we still have work to do. So let's just. Yeah. yeah. No, that um, was great. I was, I was cheering her on when she was going through that rant. Um, and, of course, a, a lot of that is sort of her own um, inability to, uh, or not inability because she does keep the secret, but her own uh, sort of cognitive dissonance with keeping secrets from Giles. And my yeah. world is, my world is askew. Um, but uh, I'd say anyway. it's more cockeyed. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, one way or the other. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, well, what else about Buffy did you want to talk about? Um, um, let me see. Well, I mean, so, I mean, we kind of see her, there was the, the, Giles is pretty funny this episode, trying to, <laughs> his little running joke of trying to sneak up on her. What if yes. he, what if he attacks you from behind and like, you know, practicing on his own and everything. Um, so we kind of see that she is slacking on the training, like she's skipping or coming late or whatever but she's still sharp i think that's kind of interesting that like now it is giles so maybe maybe that's relative but it's kind of interesting to see that she's pretty even when she's slacking she's pretty confident in her own skills and reflexes and abilities and everything yeah yeah and I think that's just, I mean, yeah, that's just part of being the Slayer, too, is she does have, she is stronger, she is faster, she is more just aware, sort of viscerally, not necessarily is able to explain it or, you know, give a scientific whatever about it. But, yeah. um, you know, I think that's just part of, that'll be a continuing sort of thing yeah. where <laughs> Giles is continuing to say, you're not training enough, and she's continuing to be perfectly fine and how yeah. much she's training. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, um, one other uh, note on the like growing up thing that that the way she pouts at Giles, of course, <laughs> it's like, don't yeah. treat me like a child, but I will do. I will what totally use six this. year olds yeah. do to get yeah. what they want. You know, like again, I think when you're in that adolescent phase, you're half child, half adult. You know, you're really not quite either one so there's still that childishness and kind of <laughs> you know and she does do a good job of pouting yeah it would be hard to hard to resist. stay uh yeah stay mad at 
yeah. face like that. So yeah, um, Giles certainly finds it difficult. So of course, uh, as as has happened a number of times now, we get Cordelia, who is the foil to Buffy, right? Um, <laughs> who, who is as soon as Buffy says, "I'm sick of duty. I want some fun." Then you've got Cordelia. This is not about fun. This is about yeah. duty and responsibility and your responsibility to help me get what I want. And she's just hilarious. Yep. Yep. Uh, (laughs) and, but you know, on the grown up thing, like in a very different way from Buffy, you know, is her own grown up and, and, or at least trying to be grown up. No, that's Um, exactly what I have is again, she's not as mature as she acts because this is all her fumbling her way into trying to act older than she really is. Right, and and her whole running gag about the laugh and how to yeah. listen to a man. Yeah. Um, I just love that. Um, I was so busy. And, I was so busy really listening that I didn't hear much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, and her instructions, like you said, to Buffy were just hilarious about the makeup and how to act and and well, just you know, stay in the shadows and you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, and her like list of you will not wear these things, but you will lie to your mother and like, yeah, 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 no, and so from like a organizational perspective, she's very tactical in her approach to uh how she is going to get everything that she's always wanted and more, um yeah, but of course, like you said, I mean she's totally out of her depth, and the minute things go bad. She blames it on Buffy. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I like, can't believe you dragged me here. I, I can't believe yeah. you talked me into coming here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, which obviously is... Ridiculous. ...completely untrue. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and so... <laughs> yeah, just the... You know, again, I mean, the, the, the idea that she wants to be with the older guy, she wants to be, uh, you know, part of the college scene, which, you know isn't unusual for high school kids to want to party with the college kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's just sort of a, the way things go, but, um, all in all finds out, uh, she's not really able to handle that, um, as well as she perhaps thought she could. Yeah. Um, and, and her breaking down at the end. I hate you guys. The weirdest things always happen when you're around. Yeah. Like, like that's because, they're saving you from all the weird yeah. stuff. It's not their fault. Like it's that classic sort of like, why is all this weird stuff happening? Well, yeah, because because I'm following it. It's not. I'm not causing it. I'm not. Yeah. Um. But there's the very oh, the much more serious um, undertone that you get, and which is obviously sort of um. Well, okay, so Buffy gets drugged at the party yeah. when she takes the drink. And then we find out that Cordelia also was drugged. And yeah. um, that very disturbing scene where we have Richard, one of the frat boys, comes in. And, I mean, you're totally expecting there to be a a, a rape scene there, yep. basically. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and, date rape. Yeah. and Well, and, yeah, it's... Like, I'm not even sure you could call it that. Like, I'm not even sure you need to put the modifier on it because, like, at that point, it's just, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, but that thing of, like, you know, they teach you 
if you go to a party, don't ever put your drink down or don't accept a drink from someone that you don't know, you know, like all those overtones of, you know, there are certain drugs that people use to like, it has all the markers of that kind of, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so the expectation of course, is that that's what's going to happen. And then you get, um, Tom, who at first you think is going to save the day, right? Like don't, don't touch her. You know, you're, you pervert, like, you know, Keep right. it in your pants or whatever. So, and then we find out that there's a much worse thing about to happen to them. Um, and and that's just a bizarre scene where you get sort of the the pledge of fealty, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to you know for the one we serve. And, you know, she's not for your pleasure; she's for the pleasure of him who we serve. Yeah, and it's like whoa, that's like even more creepy. Yeah, um, and. Just to be explicit about it, yes, the big snake in the nether parts of the frat house is a metaphor for penis. So I, d- I just want to be clear on this yep. topic. Like that, in case anybody was confused about what that possibly could have meant. Um, the, yeah, no, I mean, the, 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 there's this sort of big phallic ritual going yeah. on yeah. you know in the lower floors of the frat house and and um so david greenwald actually wrote a or wrote uh has a commentary over the um track here on on the dvds and and he's talking about this and and you know of course like he he thought on the one hand that it was kind of funny to have these you know frat guys sort of to to put the whole ritualization of being inducted into a frat house in terms of like a secret society. Well, and, and and that's not so far off. Like what it reminded me of is all that stuff of like skull and bones. Like you do hear about some of these, these Ivy league frats, which are for the rich and powerful, the special they're for the rich and powerful and of some politicians of note may have been involved in them at one time or another and there is like that cultish vibe to them and you're not quite sure what they get up to and nobody really is allowed to yeah. talk about it so yeah you know yeah they could no, they but... could have a giant snake in there for all we know <laughs> it's could be could be a demon snake thing um and and yeah, so again, you know, there's that whole metaphor that it's it's the sacrifice, right, of these three young women, um, who may or may not be virgins. I don't think that ever comes up, but you know, at least the idea that it's, you know, sacrificing these three young beautiful women to, you know, this big evil snake for their own power and glory, and yeah. the <laughs> David Greenbolt calls Tom Big Nutcake Tom. <laughs> Because um, he he does kind of I mean he goes all like you see the you know bizarre scars and markings on his body yeah. and and like the big sword because you know a big snake isn't phallic enough um, the yeah you, you know just the whole just whole idea there and and then of course you find out that you know for this particular purpose it's not sexual per se but it's the it's the wealth it's the power and of course the idea of that is is the dominance over um yeah. not just women in this case but you know whatever pursuit they happen to go into yeah. <laughs> like you know beyond and you find out later that it's all of these rich and powerful people who ultimately either lose their money or kill themselves or 
whatever yeah. um, because because they don't go through with the sacrifice and right uh, well and you there are the they give you lots they sprinkle lots of little clues in which you don't yeah, pick up on yeah. the first time but on the second viewing you know Tom says that uh, oh I only joined the frat because my father and grandfather were part of right, it and right. then um, Richard I guess is of this Anderson family and his, right. his Anderson Aeronautics and Air, Anderson Cosmetics and they've got this whole <laughs> Anderson <laughs> Anderson Enterprises like yeah, conglomeration yeah. I love yeah. and Anderson Cosmetics. cosmetics like it's just this the biggest dream that she's ever had yeah um, and my my maybe my favorite line of the episode is these men are rich and i'm not being shallow <laughs> like right yeah just think of all the people i could help with all my money yeah um, um so yeah so not only like like you said not only rich and powerful but their entire family fortunes crumble the sec that they've been built on nothing more than this blood ritual sacrifice, you know. So as soon as the ritual isn't fulfilled, they, you know, they lose everything is the impression you mm. get. Like right. anyone who ever built a family fortune on this foundation. Um, yeah, on this predatory, you know, act of yeah. sacrifice, yeah. And um, and those, I mean, that, and, I mean, it's not just because it's a fraternity and it's all guys, but there is that like misogynistic thing of, I mean, obviously they're sacrificing girls, but you know, even saying, um, no woman speaks to him. Like this is a, right, this right, is a right. masculine, is a yeah, yeah. Yeah. Chauvinistic sort of culture, which, you know, I'm sure not all frats and not all frat guys are that way, but there is an element of that to that kind of like mm -hmm. that masculine kind of, I don't know. I think there's some elements of that, which are not too far from the truth. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, they call it the boys club, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it is for the boys. Um, and, and yeah, and that filled, and, and again, the, and, the sort and, of, the not idea just, being that it filters just, out through the rest of their lives. And, yeah, and, and not just for And therefore the into boys. society beyond. Yeah, not just for <clears throat> the boys to the exclusion of the girls, but built on, on, like, built on a foundation of cruelty towards women, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but no, there a, are lot some, of, a, a lot of, a lot of, like... Reptile boy <laughs> aside, there are a lot of like really subtle, you know, uh, metaphorical things going on. I think, and I like well, I like you know even though it is like, you know, silly in its obviousness. I kind of did get a kick out of the reptile boy when you finally see him. You know. Oh yeah, like he looks kind of ridiculous. He looks even. like hilarious. Yeah, yeah. No, I that's. Yeah, I mean, it's like a guy with, like, a big snake tail. Yep. And, um, again, in David Greenwald's commentary, he's he's talking about, like, how, like, they had him on all these, like, pulleys. And at one point, he's on, like, this little seesaw thing to, like, kind of make him, you know, where he's, like, floating above. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, trying to get the, the movement down. So, yeah, I mean, there is obviously a camp factor to it there as well. Um, but... 
But I think it works because he's in so little of the episode. You know, I think what works about it is, like, the fact that, like, most of it, you're kind of waiting for the monster of the week to show up. You're, like, most of it is this a pretty realistic high school drama about, mm. you know, I mean, you kind of get the idea that the frat boys are, like, dabbling in some sort of magic, but mostly it's just right. them being threatening in a perfectly <clears throat> ordinary way, you know? But then yeah. in the last five or ten minutes, you suddenly get this crazy-looking snake. So, I don't know. There's this kind of, like... I kind of enjoyed it when you find... Because there's such a build-up to the monster and everything. So, when you finally yeah. see him, I think the fact that he's really over-the-top-looking um, kind yeah. of works. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think it's... And, I mean, and he doesn't speak. And he doesn't you know, he speak, doesn't, exactly. Yeah, he just, doesn't overstay his welcome. He's almost, there, and they get rid of him really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you almost feel like if he did say something or tried to, yeah. It would ruin Do anything it. more yeah. than he does, it, it would, yeah. Yeah, and and he's the namesake of the episode, too. So you're kind yep. of, again, this build-up. You're waiting for the reptile boy to show up. So, yeah. <laughs> um. So I was going to say... Though, of course, not all boys are bad, and not all boys are misogynistic, right? Yeah, um, yeah, very. Or true. at least not all, or at least not all the time. <laughs> um, so we get Xander, yeah, who, who, well, you know, let's be fair, he does want to participate in an orgy. Uh-huh. So I mean, there's if, that if, aspect. If of it's it. on early, but, but but you get you get the feeling that at least in that case it would all be consensual. So it's not, yeah. you know. <laughs> It's not nearly as bad. Well, and, um, and I don't believe for a second that Xander would, like, he thinks he wants to be an orgy. It's like, same thing, he thought he wanted to date Miss French, too. And then yeah. he's terrified the second that he gets to her house. So, <laughs> um, I don't know that but, we can necessarily believe everything that Xander says. But, um, yeah. But but give the guy some credit. I mean, he, like, clearly there's, he's still got the feelings for Buffy. And we get the whole, where he's, you know, trying to talk down about Angel until he finds out that Buffy's yeah. going to this frat party. And it's, it's like, even wait, worse. Wait, yeah. what? Like, um, and, but he goes. And he gets distracted a lot and whatever. But, uh, you know, he, he's there and ready to go back in and save his friends. Um, or just save Buffy and Cordelia. Um, Buffy, his friend, and Cordelia, who's with her. Uh, <clears throat> and and so, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, we got to give him some credit. Yeah. Uh, uh, especially, like, I, I, I like the fact, uh, like, with the clown, he gets the opportunity here to put a beat down uh, on... I, I'm not sure what the guy's name. I, I just kept calling him Tank in my notes. Um, the the, the yeah, yeah. bigger frat boy there. Uh-huh, yeah. um, he, and he's punching him. He's, that's for the makeup, and that's for the last 16 and a half years. <laughs> like that's, he's taking out uh, his entire life of pent-up yeah, rage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's he's really going at it. Um, yeah. And, of course, you have Giles is there, who's, who's again, trying to be the, the nurturing fatherly figure um yeah but but giles gets that one really nice ninja punch where like the guy he finally surprises somebody the guy's like the frat boy comes from behind and giles just kind of turns and bam punches him like like he right he's like he's been trying to attack his like ninja skills a little bit (laughs) um 
an angel, the would-be boyfriend, who yeah. um, seems to be having a bit of a complex about his own relationship capabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that different from the doctor. Uh, the the uh, so so yeah, so we get we get some decent guys here, but. Um, interesting, I think, though, is, of course, that it's not them who really save the day, right? They fight their way in, um, but it's Buffy who ends up saving the day, really. Um, She's the one who uh, is able to free herself from the chains and and ultimately defeats Reptile Boy, Makita, on her own. And I think that's, I think that's important, because, like, I think, you know, I don't, I think it would totally undercut the whole sort of fight against the sort of misogynistic yeah. and, and, and whatever undertones that we've if been talking about. If the guys swept in and, and overtones. Her, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if the guys just come in and, oh, yeah. yeah. So it's not, yeah, it's, it's but it's not that. It's, it's she, she's able to get herself out. But even, even when she's not sure that she can get herself out of yeah. her chains, she's willing to sacrifice herself for Cordelia. Right, exactly, yeah. Like, yeah. it's, it's not even like, yeah. She's, you know, she's like, I'll fight this guy. It's, no, I'm still chained, but here, come over here. You take me on first, you know, yeah. fight someone your own size. Kind well, of she's thing. still got that, like, even like even when she can't do anything about it, she can't physically fight to save Cordelia, then the responsibility come, becomes everyone else's safety at her own cost. So right, right. I can't fight to protect you, but maybe I can distract it. You know, and yeah. that's still her. If I, if I prolong your death long enough, maybe something else. Yeah, exactly. Happen. And that, and like, it's her <clears throat> responsibility to put herself first. You know, that that's part of the responsibility too, not just, you know, right. not just fighting the monsters, but the safety of other between... people. Yeah. 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 Even the ones who aren't always the nicest or the fairest. <laughs> like Cordelia? Like Cordelia. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, and she just keeps going back and forth, right? One minute she seems really genuine and Yeah. Nice nicely genuine, and then the other minute she seems very meanly genuine. Yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, it's it's oh, she's got a ways to go, but yeah, you know. Um There's a couple the, other things too with um I wanted to mention with Xander well, the, yes, the, his yes. his uh, khaki and polo shirt outfit to the frat party kind of made me smile. Like he he's kind of going to dress up for the for the frat party, and right, um, yeah. and then uh, you know <laughs> you know as soon as you see that pledge, I didn't necessarily know that Xander was going to get hazed, but when I yeah. saw the pledge, I had this thought in my brain that said. That'll be Xander one day. Like Xander is totally right. like that. W- if Xander was at this party, that's what he, you know. He would go to the party and then get hazed, and then darn if he doesn't show up and exactly right. that happens. But you were thinking like in a couple years. Yeah, I'm thinking like if Xander would hear like that would be Xander. Like you know that's just his luck kind of a thing. Um, yeah. And then he skips ahead and doesn't even wait for college. So yeah. I, I just yeah. I thought that was really funny that I kind of had that thought but didn't expect it to go that way. Um, yeah, and yeah, it did. and of course, um, you know, mentioning the the, the triptych 
uh, he's yeah. distracted by food and girls. Yeah, um, of course. <laughs> so as as perhaps is appropriate. Yeah. Um, and then <clears throat> I mean, everyone's still playing their parts because he's he's doing that. Yeah. Buffy again is sacrificing herself for other people. Um, but and, the bad things happen to her when she is being selfish. That's true. And not wanting to take on the responsibility. That's true. Um, but then you've also got Willow, you know, doing Buffy's work for her, really. Like, you know, so Willow's kind of, she's upset that Buffy lies, but she covers for her and... Oh, yeah, and, she's complicit. And is, like, at the library doing what it is that is really not her job to do. Yeah. You know? Like, I think we could yeah. argue whether or not... It, it, all this responsibility should go on to Buffy alone. But that doesn't mean that then if Buffy doesn't want it, it then gets dumped onto Willow, you know, like right. that's not her job really. Um, right. But that's her comfort zone, I guess, is to stay at the library and to help Giles and do the grunt work. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, indeed. Um, yeah. No, I, I like Willow in this episode. She does yeah. she does a good job. Yeah, she does. <clears throat> um the, the 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 oh let's see. Um interesting. So we get another instance and um I was trying to remember when it was we saw it last of Willow and Xander sharing food. When they're sitting on the couch. Um and it was in a dream sequence. Oh that's right. So I did notice that at the time, and then afterwards I thought, should I mention it or not, because it was in the dream. But I did notice that before, and they did it again, but this time in real yeah. life. So it is this, what I was going to say the first time was, like, that level of comfortableness with each other, you know, that, yeah. like, before, the one before they, like, toss each other their snacks, like, across the table. Now they just kind of grab the Coke and the candy bar or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, no, they're totally like in sync and comfortable with each other. Yeah. Is that what you uh, were going to say about, did you have another point about that? No, no, that's it. That, that was right on what I was going to say is, is that level of comfort they have with each other. Um, <clears throat> and, and, and he also, when, when they're watching the movie in the beginning, um, that he's playing, they're playing with her hair. So Buffy's kind of doing a nice braid. Xander's really just sort of fiddling with it, but stroking. Yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. Um, I no, And the only thing I was going to say about the last time when we saw them sharing food in the dream in Buffy's dream, like you feel like she would dream about that sort of thing as though it were a normal yeah. occurrence. Yeah. Sure, sure, so yeah. like, it's not like, it's not like she's dreaming. It's not like when she dreams about Angel. An Angel does stuff. Um, <laughs> like, because we know yeah, that no, that's not no. happening. It was, um, it was in character even then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so speaking of Angel, mm -hmm. <laughs> just to sort of round them all out. Yeah. Um, what did you think of that last scene there where he asks her to coffee and she walks away? What did I think of it? Um... I don't know. I don't know that I... What What did you think of it? I don't... Well... I feel like you have something seems, you want to say. I don't have a particular thought, so go ahead. No, and that's fine. And to me, I 
I thought this before when I've watched this episode. Uh-huh. It seems strange to me okay. that she would do that, that she would just walk away because that seems like what she wanted. But then again, I don't ever pretend to have yeah. understood women. So, you know, I mean, that's maybe that was yeah. so appropriate no, and I, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, well, that kind of... I mean, it is a little, you know, and I, people do this, but it is a little immature, I guess, to kind of, you know, on the one hand, uh, confront him for sort of giving her mixed signals and then do that to him at the end. You know, now I think she does it with a smirk on her face in a way that says, you know, this is really just me teasing you. I'm not really misleading you. It's just, you know, giving you a taste of what, you know, of what you did. And she says it in a kind of, I don't know, with enough of a kind of look in the eye that says, we'll have coffee soon, just not right now, kind of a thing. You know, It doesn't seem like she's totally, like, she doesn't, I don't think she really means it when she says, like, I'll let you know. Like, I think it's, the impression I got is it's going to happen. Sure. And she's just playing a little hard to get because that's what he did to her. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. But it's a little hypocritical. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's undeserved i just like i said i just thought it was strange if that's what you want then but people do that sort of thing all the time sure I'm they not do. saying it's i'm not saying it's unrealistic by yeah, any means yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. no and I but think... i asked i asked that same question in real life too um, <laughs> similar situations uh-huh. so you know um, it is what it is um well, and no, but, like I, what I found, and, and I don't mean strange, like I understood it. It's just frustrating. Um, was like, you know, angels, I'm kind of with Buffy in the earlier part in the episode when she's kind of confronting him about like their relationship and him saying like her things about like, yeah, I like when he says, I knew this was going to happen. It's like, well, yeah, like uh, it's happened. You know, you've already yeah. you, you know you right. you've kissed her you've gone into her bedroom in the middle of the night you've watched her you've, <laughs> oh yeah you've told her how yeah, you yeah, feel yeah. about her i knew this is what you knew this was going to happen like you knew that there were feelings like i don't know why right. that's a surprise <laughs> right and he's not all that and then pulled away like it's yeah. not like yeah right right it's not like he's been totally forthcoming either yeah no yeah. i i I get that aspect to it. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess the part to me that seems strange is when he finally does come around and say, okay, let's just have coffee and yeah. no, know, so I'm kind of see you. where it goes. Like, she's like, okay, and I'll let you know. Yeah. I'll walk away. Um, but no, th- that conversation is a great conversation. And I think you're right. I mean, I think we're meant to be on Buffy's side yeah, sort of yeah. in, in this one. Like, it, it's not um, – Angel, you know, this could get out of control. And Buffy's like, well, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Yeah. Like, isn't when you're in love with someone, isn't that a little bit out of control? Isn't that kind of the, the, the thing that you want? Like, <laughs> why why are you hesitating there? Um, 
and then and then the clincher line when you kiss me i want to die um yeah which obviously saying that to a vampire has so many more undertones to it than you know just saying that like oh i feel like i want to die like she's not saying that like this is like how how literally are we meant to take that do you think I don't think like I don't think we're s- supposed to think that she wants to be turned into a vampire, but Okay, so this isn't a twilight thing. No. Okay. No. Just clarifying. Um uh, No, no, no. But I think I think we're meant to take it metaphorically. But again, it's she's saying it to a vampire and she's aware that she's saying it to a vampire. Um and I think I think there is at least some aspect there of like what we were talking about with the doctor and and the fact that he's going to continue living forever and the companions don't angel is going to continue to living together, you know, forever. And so I think there is in the undertones there of what Buffy's saying, I think we are meant to think that there is a part of her that wishes she could be with him forever, you know, through that sort of death and resurrection that vampires have. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think, realistically that's what she's asking him for in that particular moment yeah but i think that there's There's an element of that yeah that that element of you know i wish we could be together forever yeah you know the 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 sort of quintessential you know we'll always be together you know kind of idea Mm -hmm. taken you know you know with a shot of like red bull or something yeah um (laughs) you know so yeah no i i i think it's I think it's an interesting line to contemplate in their continuing <laughs> burgeoning relationship. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. No, and I kind of like anyway. that you don't quite know what she means by that. And and she kind of runs away before he has a chance to really ask, you know, so. Yeah. 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 Um, and then... Uh, just the we have to mention if we're talking about Angel, I have to mention Willow's <laughs> attempt to see his reflection. Oh and, yeah. And the, 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 the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you shave? Very good question. There there may be an answer to that somewhere in the mythology. Oh really? We we will we will have to we will have to wait for it, perhaps. I, w- uh, I would wonder if he even grows hair. Um but do the undead uh, grow facial hair i don't know it's we a question for another episode i guess we are not going to answer that now because we are over time okay and i also want to oh these burning that. mythological questions that we yeah i know i know we've really we've come down through this whole discussion to the real burning question yeah. of whether or not undead angel shaves yeah and if so how <laughs> Tune in next week to Cat and Kurt's TV review, where we will not answer that question. Watch us, at the pace that we go, right? Watch us find the answer to that in, like, three years. I know. That could be the case. (laughs) I don't... I don't know offhand. So, tune in (laughs) half a decade from now, when we finally answer the question of whether or not angels shaves. I know. I know. All right, well... I guess we should let our listeners go. And thank you all for listening, and have a good week. All right. Good night.